for all of your TNA needs, head to tensandaces.com. Are you ready for some TNA? My friends and I aren't your average blackjack players. We're all APs, which, if you don't know, stands for advantage player. As in, we play with a mathematical edge or advantage over the house. Yep, card counters, that would be us. On this podcast, I'm going to bring you true life stories about the AP life. There'll be stories of all the times we fucked up. Stories when we made out like bandits. Stories of losing more in one session than a lot of people make in a year. Stories of getting backed off in one shoe. Stories of average Joes out here doing this card counting thing. With some of us crushing it. And some of us just making our way through it. So if this is the kind of shit you want to hear, well listen up. Because we're about to give you some TNA. And welcome to the TNA podcast. And no, this is not a podcast about tits and ass. It's actually a podcast about TNA, but TNA meaning tens and aces and how they relate to the game of blackjack. My name is Mike. I'm your host of this little shindig. If you'd like to reach out to the show for whatever reason, to bitch, to complain, to compliment, ask a question, whatever. You can reach us at tensandaces21 at gmail.com. That's tensandaces and the number 21 at gmail.com. Today I'm happy to welcome my guest, Agent 21, to the show. While he is a dealer with about three years of dealing experience, he's also an AP. I thought it would be great to bring on somebody with experience from both sides of the table. Hope you guys enjoy. And welcome to the show, Agent 21. How you doing, man? Doing great. How about yourself? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, do you have like a brief history of your background and what got you into AP and what got you into... Or just tell us, I guess, just tell us about you. Yeah, so as far as Blackjack, the thing that really uh, initialized my interest is I think uh, similar to a lot of people, I'm sure. Uh, it's, of course, the movie 21. Saw that when I was uh, kind of young. Um, so realistic. Oh yeah, of course. Going back and watching it is is a uh, is a hoot. But uh, you know, it really romanticizes blackjack. My dad taught me how to play poker at a young age, so I was into cards and whatnot. And I was sitting there in my last quarter of senior year, and I'm like, man, what am I gonna do? And uh, just out of nowhere, I decided to Google how to become a blackjack dealer. The more I looked into that, the more I was like, okay, I think I could do this. And so I practiced, watched a bunch of videos, um, went to a school for a couple weeks after graduating, and I got my first uh, dealer job at 18. That's probably pretty good money for an 18-year-old to be making. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Um, you know, the, the actual pay itself isn't isn't phenomenal, but obviously the tips are most of the wages. So you're also an AP. Yes, sir. Along the lines of learning how to play blackjack and learning how to deal blackjack, obviously you run across a lot of uh, a lot of different videos and whatnot on 
um, YouTube, you know, that I remembered back the card counting and I did some research on that. While I was learning how to deal blackjack, I also learned basic strategy. And so I had that down pat and I went to gamble my first time, didn't even have it fully memorized. But over my first year of playing was really just gambling, but with basic strategy. I tried a couple times, but I was never really good at actually keeping the count and, and betting accordingly over the first year. But um, I did eventually practice actually counting more as well as building up a bankroll after trying multiple times with you know less than maybe a thousand dollars was the most I had uh, before I saved up my, my first actual bankroll you know I could play decently but not having enough money you just can't survive the the variance of blackjack of course do you think that you have an advantage being an AP because you see things from both sides of the table do you recognize uh, things that the pit does or the dealer does right yeah I think it does help me in certain ways one way that you might not expect is it helps with just being in tune with the I suppose monotony sometimes of of just sitting there and playing blackjack right Mm -hmm. you know having so many hours behind the table it's kind of natural to transition to just going to the other side on my off hours at the same time it does help me recognize sometimes you can tell like the mannerisms of the floor sometimes whether they're going to um whether they're just watching the tray or they're actually watching a player for uh to see how they're playing and whatnot they might be suspicious but or they may just be looking to see how many chips are in the tray right sometimes i think they're like staring intently it appears anyway that they're staring intently at the table but i think they're just thinking about what they're going to go buy at the store later after they get off their shift half the time yeah attending you know pretending like they're watching the table right you know yeah i'd say that depends on the exact fuller person some of them i think uh enjoy the act of trying to catch somebody aping some of them like you said are just there to get in their hours yeah like Um, at the particular shop that you work at for example mm -hmm. there is probably five people that i'm aware of they're really sharp and they'll, they'll catch somebody who's doing any kind of even moderate spread quickly i mean i've been caught but there's most of the dealers i mean the floor there they're just they don't care right yeah, you you agree? Absolutely. And even most of the dealers don't. I mean, we don't have a uh, we really don't have any kind of training um, as far as watching out for APs. They tell us to call when somebody's splitting tens, but probably most of the dealers don't do that anyways. So really, that's a trigger. Is splitting tens is a trigger because that's yeah, pretty funny because a friend of ours. I don't think you've met him, but he got backed off at your shop in less than one chew, and I believe he split tens. So that's interesting. And he oh, had wow. like a he had a fifteen hundred bucks or something up and down in that one chew. So it could have been that too. So yeah, that may be. I've definitely seen plenty of just gamblers, you know, splitting tens. But it may be that doing that without the rest of the bad play is a, yes. a sign for sure. So a guy's playing perfect basic strategy, and then when he's got a big bet out there, it aka the count's high mm-hmm. he's all of a sudden splitting tens right right and especially without any kind of like party mannerisms or you know oh i'm just gonna do this just because you know yeah yeah definitely an act is a, a good thing i think my acts might one of my best skills for sure i just find that interesting that you keyed right on that or that they key right on splitting tens because i know we've had discussions not you and i but me and other people have had discussions about what exactly they did after you know after a back off they were driving home or something after a back off what exactly they did that caused the back off right and, and that was spinning tens was always one of the things we discussed so that's that's interesting to me yeah i think it's one of those things that even 
even if you don't know very much about it, that's one of the first things, the most popular things is like, oh, the sayings like, oh, if you split tens, you're either a genius or, you know, a dumbass. Yes. Yes. The, the 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 best way to be is to look like a dumbass when you're really a genius. Exactly. But I just don't I don't think it's worth it. I don't think it's worth the risk of exposing yourself, you know, because like you were saying, if you're playing perfect basic strategy and then all of a sudden you're splitting your tens in a high count. I mean, that's just anybody paying attention is going to notice that. Right. Right. Even a dealer that can't count is going to notice that and maybe tip off his floor. Yeah, I agree. And even the players a lot of times we'll, we'll point it out or get mad at you. Oh, yeah, of course, for sure. What do you do when a player just won't stop complaining or blaming you about their hands when they're doing things like hitting a, you know, a hard 16 versus a four and say a TC7? How do you not call them a fucking idiot? What do you how do you handle that? You know, for me, it used to be when I when I started dealing, I had a really tough time with that. Even when players would make a, a basic strategy mistake, like staying on a soft 18 versus a, versus a dealer 10 or nine. Um, yeah. I would go, are you sure? You know, the book says this or or whatever. I've been dealing for about three years now. So I've kind of just learned to roll with it. It is tough to, to watch people lose their money sometimes. And it's annoying to hear it, you know, all the all the verbal abuse that you get. But uh, I've just kind of grown a thick skin about it. And I, I smile and keep dealing for the most part. Kind of grit my teeth, you know? Right. But as an AP and as someone who knows this game inside and out, it's got to be even more frustrating. Because just a regular dealer has to sit there and listen to this crap. But this guy's jawing at you because he's getting shitty cards. But he keeps ruining his hands and acting like it's your fault. You have no control. You are literally a robot. All you can do is you have no choice. He has all the choices. It, uh, yeah, it certainly doesn't help to to know the ins and outs of the game. And you can, I, I've tried that. You can say, you know, oh, I'm just dealing the cards. I can't affect it. You know, blah blah blah. But in their minds, none of that matters <laughs> when you yeah. say that. You know, floppy logic. Yeah, for sure. Right, right. Yeah. Or even, I mean, they're just the card flow. If you like, when I'm wanging out or wanging in, they get pissed off at me. Pissed off. One guy though, fairly recently, got pissed off at me, and I don't blame him because he knew what I was doing, and he knew I was making him eat the bad cards. So I did kind of feel like an asshole at that time when when he knew what I was doing. But I don't feel like an asshole at all, and it used to bother me. But now I don't even care. Uh, I just come in and out whenever I deviate my play like I'm supposed to, and play like a robot myself. But yeah, it gets frustrating. I don't. I get fired in your job like an hour, dude, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. it's. Um, I will say it's not the easiest thing in the world, but uh, for me, it's easier than uh, than flipping burgers, and it makes more money. Oh yeah, talk about monotonous flipping burgers. <laughs> what What is the craziest thing you've ever seen a floppy do? I have seen somebody double down for I want to say it was three hundred or four hundred bucks on a hard sixteen versus a ten. Um, and their logic was, well, I'm just getting out of here, and that was just mind boggling <laughs> to me. Um, so they they like their money less because they're leaving, right? I guess, yeah. Uh, it just happened to be the right amount to double down, so they put down half their money and they were gonna double down no matter what, and they went for it. And what happened? Uh, classically in um story fashion, they they got a five and won the hand. <laughs> Which only emboldened, right? It only emboldened the other ploppies at the table, right? Of course, yeah. Everybody was cheering, (laughs) (laughs) and he probably lost his money within the next hour. I think tops. Right, right on. What is the craziest thing you've ever seen other uh, dealers or floor personnel do, or because you know management in general? There's not a ton. 
but I do know of many times that a something that frustrates me almost more than the players um, playing badly is the dealers giving bad advice. Yes, you, know, you hear, and this isn't, and this is this isn't even um, exclusive to on the floor. Down in the down in the break room, dealers are talk about how you know, oh, this guy's playing so wrong. He keeps hitting on soft seventeen or doubling down. You know, ace eight versus six. Yeah. Um. Or oh, this guy's really just messing up the flow of the cards. <laughs> Right. Um, but you know what? How frustrating that is because we know that they're wrong. That's actually yeah. pretty, pretty fucking great because we want people either be either it be dealers or management or whatever to think that we're stupid. Right. That is right. true. Absolutely. But I, I totally can understand how that would be frustrating. You need just got to sit there and eat your bag of Doritos or whatever with your mouth shut because <laughs> and bite your tongue because yeah. yeah that's funny man i will say oh, there was one time when i had my dealer hat on more than my ap hat was when there was a player who was tipping me pretty well and even though we we share tokes at our, our place but it's still nice to you know every bit counts right so Absolutely. this guy was tipping me fairly nicely and somebody was doing you know they were walking in and out and it was upsetting him and eventually he finally left and i was like man that felt bad <laughs> You know, I wasn't like mm-hmm. I knew what he was doing, so I I, I couldn't feel uh, too upset at him, but it was a little frustrating. Yeah, because the guy that was tipping you was frustrated, right? Like you were on yeah. his team almost, right? Yeah. Even though I'm also on the on the team of you know getting as many chips out the door. <laughs> right, and the team of you're on both teams. You're on the team is of a few teams making right. money for the casino, uh, getting chips out the door when you're on the other side, and. You're on the team of getting tokes for your fellow dealers, you know. Yeah, there's a, a somewhat of a internal power struggle sometimes. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So you're still a pretty young guy. As an AP, do you find that it's – do you get more heat as your bankroll got bigger and you started betting more, more serious money? Not even big money, but just more money? Right. Than a tip than a guy of your age would typically bet. Yeah, and I I, I think so. One place that I played at I pl- was um where I gambled recreationally for a while, and so I think that there that that helped my longevity because I had the initial image. But at another place where it's the first time I've showed up, young guy, you know, throwing down, and like you said, not big money, but the consistency and the you know throwing down hundred after hundred after you know busting out i don't think helped me for sure you stuck out there you didn't look like the typical gambler that'd be there right. on a tuesday night or even a weekend night or whatever like why is this young kid here why is he just pouring money in doesn't have <laughs> his buddies with him he doesn't have his girlfriend with him or whatever he's just here he's just playing blackjack he's playing pretty well he's he waiting for have... a half hour for the only blackjack table to open yeah there's that too <laughs> Did you eventually get backed off from that shop? Uh, I haven't been backed off from that shop, but I haven't been back for a while. I I, I got some uh some sweat when I when I cashed out a pretty good amount there, so I decided to take a break. Right on. Could you tell us about your first back off, either on the player side of the table or on the other side of the table where someone at your table got backed off, or both? Yeah. So we'll start with on my table. It's been interesting. I haven't had any players get backed off of my specific table. I have had somebody get backed off on the table next to me one time there was a player who 
didn't get backed off at the time he was gone by the time the uh the pit boss came over and was like talking to the dealer who's like you know yeah he's sitting there betting 25 dollars the entire shoe and then he bets table max right near the end that means he's a counter is what i i remember him saying yeah um, who said that the dealer or the the floor the pit boss so that was interesting so i think they made a note about him we keep it's called uh rn uh for refused name you get a little profile with a description of what you're wearing and how much you're betting and, and whatnot so that if you don't have a player's card uh they can still try to track you right yeah you're still um, rated but just not to your name right right and then another time it was a similar situation i only saw the end of it but uh they did give him the tap and i saw them talking to them from a side and i asked the dealer afterwards and he said yeah he was counting cards but i've seen plenty of ap's at my table well I've seen people try to be APs and be successful. <laughs> you know, you see different skill levels mm-hmm. sometimes or somebody who's well-skilled, but obviously not well-bankrolled. Right. But um, as far as my back off, so the shop that I played at recreationally for a while, like I said, I think that gave me some time. How Eventually, many hours do you think? Ooh, at their How many specifically. Hours, uh, as an AP? Yeah, so somewhere between... I don't know, 50 and 150 hours of combined, like, well-bankrolled and not well-bankrolled time, I guess. Because there was times when I was I was doing the same level of counting, just not with enough money to back it up. So, you know, sometimes you make money, sometimes you don't. Yeah, so I played there for a while, and, you know, the dealers all recognized me and whatnot, you know. And they would start, they started half-chewing me within the last uh, few weeks that I was playing there. I would still get it. I would still be playing for like an hour or more sometimes before they did anything. So you I can't play with the half shoe. No, no. I played until they half shoot me. Oh, OK. I gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So it seemed like they would hope that I would gamble and then eventually countermeasure me and I would leave. And then finally uh, I got in there and uh, they told me before I even took any money out of my pocket. They told me, sorry, sir, but you can't play blackjack here anymore. Uh, you can play any other game you want today. Actually, they just said today, but I kind of got the message. They said no blackjack today. You can play any other game, but not blackjack style games. So no Spanish or blackjack. So I turned around and left. Of course. You've never been back? I have not been back there. They've since changed management, but I'm sure most of the, the dealer staff are still there and they, they all know my face and name. So I don't think I have much chance there. I know the shop you're talking about. But don't be afraid. I've been backed off at many of those spots more than once. So, I mean, it can happen. Just wait a while. Change your look. There may not work because they know you so well from your ploppy days. But right. other places may work. Your The shop you work at is actually pretty easy to go back into if you played on rated after like a month, just on a different shift or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have had a, another case where I didn't get backed off, but um, I did. So I was playing. Um, I had a, a hotel stay and they... I was playing in the morning and for a while, um, probably from like 11 a.m. till, gosh, like eight or nine, <laughs> um, almost wow. continuously. And um, the day shifter, the second day I was there, the day shift floor manager, you know, they started making some comments like, oh, wow, you know, you're pretty good at this game. You know, you know, you know this game pretty well. Just in chatting with the with the dealers and her, she asked me where I worked. I was kind of caught off guard and I didn't. I didn't think to lie, so I just told her I was a dealer. She did say, she did mention I tip pretty crappy for a dealer, <laughs> um, which, uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird for me because it's like I want players to tip me, but when I play, I can't really afford to tip much, you know, yeah, especially you at the level that I play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get it. I understand why she would think that, but for you, it's a business on both sides to business. The business side of you wanting tips on that business side is understandable, and the business side of 
you not wanting to over tip because it cuts into your it cuts into your AV at the end of the day. Yeah, it was it was more like it felt kind of weird to 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 get a jab like that. And this was in between making other com- knowing comments, right? Eventually, they had closed down the game uh, while I had gone to a break, and I was like, "Oh, are there any other uh, double deck games you have open?" She's like, "No, sorry, they're all closed down now." I think she she said, I "Think she just said as I as I walked away, she just oh you know card counter, you know basically called out to me and, and called me out." And so uh, I haven't played uh, with her. I the next day, I you know I walked up to the table, I saw that she was still there, and I just kind of walked back into my room, called it a day because she. She didn't back me off, and I've played there. I played there since, just without that floor manager, particularly. I think she was trying to get you to scare you into tipping or guilt you into tipping. It, that's possible, but yeah, when, when she said, you know, you tip crappy for a dealer, I just kind of pretended I didn't really hear, didn't really pay attention or whatever, and mm-hmm. kept playing for a while. But yeah, maybe, maybe that one shop, that shop in particular, if it's the one I'm thinking of, which I'm pretty sure it is, they don't have a cut card on the double deck. Is it that that shop? Correct. Okay, so that is one shop where tipping, if you find a certain dealer, that tipping is actually to your advantage because some of those dealers there, they will cut sooner if they know what you're up to you know because if you're not tipping them but if you're tipping them they're more likely to go another hand you know what i'm saying Uh, right so i've noticed there that i get a lot of mileage with my tipping there and i know who to tip and who not to tip (laughs) yeah that's interesting Uh, i've definitely noticed that with a couple of those dealers as well for sure for sure have you ever dealt to anybody that was noteworthy well besides me of course (laughs) haha Um, so I haven't dealt to him specifically, but a uh, pro NFL player has played at my casino. I remember one specific night, tips went up by $10,000 over the average. So that was a pretty nice night. For everybody, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And I've also dealt to a NBA player that, sadly, I'm not super in tune with that. So I didn't realize until the dealer who tapped me out said, do you know who that was? And I'm like, no, who was it? <laughs> and he said, that's like my favorite basketball player. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I had no idea. You know, he's uh, I realized after his girls got this huge ring, you know, he's got the the get up. Uh But uh, but I had no idea and he didn't get to deal to it. (laughs) I felt bad. Who was it? Gosh, I I don't even remember the name, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's also been somebody who's a higher up. I've heard is a higher up at AT AT&T. And, um, you know, he gambles very consistently and very heavily, you know, five figures a day, four or five days a week. So that's pretty interesting. And he's actually a really down to earth guy. You'd think sometimes that rich you know rich heavy gamblers are are, um they have a certain attitude about them but sometimes i don't know sometimes they're friendly (laughs) yeah i think i've played with the guy you're talking about i I think i know who you're talking about uh but at your at your shop in particular the average poppy plays at a level that at other casinos that would be their high action player you know it it, i think you know what i mean yeah our our table games uh strategy seems to be to set the minimums at a level to where you kind of filter out the riffraff and they're on and off the table in 20 minutes (laughs) <laughs> and that's pretty smart strategy if you got enough players, because the thing about that is, is that the, the high dollar players aren't going to want to play with the guy bit in $10. Some don't care, but sure. some do. Yeah, absolutely. I was playing with a guy one night at your shop, old guy, like probably 90, had like a hat on that said some sheet metal company, old wrinkled hat. He probably owned the company. He lost 30 grand, 30 grand in the two hours I was playing with. And then he smacks the table. Tells the dealer, hey, honey, it's not my day. Have a good day. And tosses her $500 tote. Whew. Yeah, I think uh, this guy had seen a... that, that gentleman. Yeah, to them, sometimes uh, throwing around that kind of money, it either makes them feel that good or that kind of money just doesn't matter that much to them. I guess. I mean, I've, I was really impressed. 
I've never seen anybody lose that kind of money. I don't care how much you have. 30 grand is still a pretty big loss in oh, a couple yeah. of hours. And just not even care. Just tap the table. Not my day, honey. Because he was kind of flirting with the, the, the deer the whole time he was there. And, you know, whatever. Just being friendly. And sure. just tossing her a chip. $500 like it's nothing after he just lost 30 grand. It, I was like, wow. That guy is a baller. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If I had $10 million, I still would be kind of a dick if I lost 30 grand, right? In two hours. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I can't fathom that amount of money either. Um, <laughs> although I have, I guess I've I've sort of felt that, but with at a at a much, much, much lower level. That is still higher than, you know, the average ploppy would um, would feel comfortable losing, you know? Right, right, right. I'm sure because after you after you play for so long, swings of, you know, over a thousand dollars, it just happens. Oh, routinely mm-hmm. twenty five hundred, five thousand dollars. Yeah. Depending on, you know, your your bet spread, whatever. Right. So I guess it's just that at a level we can't imagine. Right. I had a question about to kind of backtrack to where we were earlier about kind of how you were saying how when somebody goes to the table, their refusal for their ID. And you said you, you guys note, uh, what did you, what was the, the two letter term you guys, you said you guys write down in, in the computer there? It's called RN for refuse name. Okay. So you guys write down an RN. Does that make, when somebody refuses, does that make the floor and the dealer, pit boss, whoever, watch that player a little closer? Or does it depend? I think for most floors, it's slightly uncommon at our joint. Most people have player cards, but not so uncommon that you don't see, you know, people coming in from out of town, people who just don't want to give up their ID or mailing address. So mostly they just watch for a bit because they they need to see how much money they're playing for for their rating. Right. I don't think I don't think it raises much of a red flag. Interesting. I've always been curious about that. So, could you explain like what goes on in that screen? What, you know, what exactly is being tracked? Uh, I haven't used it myself, but I do know at my place we keep track of where the black chips are, you know, refuse name or not. So I think most casinos, a certain de- denomination, it may be green chips, it may be purple chips, but uh, they tr- they try to keep track of down to the chip where they are. And then I do know that they keep they just put in an average bet for our points rating system. If you know if a RN decides to get a card after the session, they can get points back for their for their session is sort of their front facing reason for it. But of course, you can also see you look down, this guy's average bet is table right. minimum and all of a sudden he's betting maximum. That may be a red flag depending on who's looking at it. Yeah, he's either accounting or or he's going on tilt, one or the other. The other thing is we also keep track of buy-ins, and I, I think that's multi-purpose, but the main reason is for uh, keeping track of potential money laundering. Um, so somebody's just stuffing bills onto the tables, playing minimally, and then going to cash out kind of thing. Um, there's certain thresholds to where if they buy in a certain amount, we're supposed to... Uh, $10,000. Ten, yeah. 10 grand. In or out. Title title 31. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Which is funny because I know as a dealer, you're not if they ask you about that, you're not allowed to tell them because that's that you'd be complicit with. Their, yeah. Uh, we're not we're not supposed it, to disclose the, the times or the numbers. Yeah. I yeah. believe it's 10,000 in 24 hours. Cash in or cash out combined. Right. But you didn't hear that from me. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Agent 21, though, they, they can't you can't get in trouble. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a case where there was an RN who had in like each of our pits had a different, slightly different description, but it was the same guy. But, you know, multiple floors put it in and they didn't check through the list to see if he was already there when he came to their table. Um, and so he had like thousands of dollars more than each individual RN had. So they're supposed to go back and check and see if they match any of the descriptions. But obviously they don't always. Yeah, I have multiple looks. I have hat, no hat, glasses, no glasses. I have a beanie cap I take on or off. I have a reversible hoodie that has different colors. That's mainly for when I walk in the door and if they require ID, I go through with just a plain generic mask on, right? Sure. And then walk around the casino for a while, go in the bathroom, presto changeo, different mask, different hoodie, different hat or hat or nor glasses or whatever. Go out and they don't know who the hell I am unless yeah. they run all the way back through the tape and try to figure out who left the bathroom and who didn't leave the bathroom or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I'd say that probably work. And yeah, those are usually the things that we we write down is, uh, you know, their headwear, uh, what kind of what color hoodie or, or jacket they're wearing, their race, maybe approximate age. But um, it's never enough that you can't change a couple things and become a different RN most of the time. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I actually uh, got backed off somewhere one time. Did not cash my chips out. They followed me to my car. I just walked off the property because I didn't want to know where my car was. And then went back later with a different disguise, got my car, cashed my chips out, took off, no problem. Right. So, I mean, it works. Is there anything you wanted to add or any observations that you wanted to bring to the table? I just, the reason I asked you on is because I like you, first of all. And second of all, I know you're, you have a good game. I know you're a good dealer. I just wanted to get a perspective from a dealer that's also it. an AP. Yeah, it's an interesting proposition. Uh, it does limit me because I can't play at my own joint. How long do you think you'll be APing for? Do you plan on doing it as like a career-ish or just a part-time, you know, side hustle or just a hobby where you make a little money? I don't think I'm ever going to fully step away from blackjack. I have right now I'm actually going to school as well as as uh, dealing. So I've taken sort of a hiatus. It's it's fun to, to be at the tables and be moving chips around and, and whatnot. So I think I'll always be playing off and on. And I don't think I'm ever going to I don't think I'm going to go back to gambling. <laughs> right. right. But and I, I still have money set aside for blackjack specifically. But I am playing playing less than I did. Or at least I'm not playing like I was earlier this year where I was playing after before and after some shifts on almost every weekend, you know, that kind of thing. That's so, crazy because there's there's not many shops that you can play at that are near where you work. And the one that is, is the place that you got the soft back off from or backed off from, actually. Right, right. Yeah, that definitely slowed me down as well. And then, of course, quarantine hits and everywhere gets closed down. Yeah, I'm afraid I think quarantine's going to happen again. Yeah, it's uh, it's not looking too great. Yeah, that's probably kind of scary for someone in your job. Yeah, for me, at least the last one that went through, I was pretty fortunate. And uh, my employer took care of us during during this. So I was actually doing fine. So did, I think... Did they cover tokes too? No, they didn't cover tokes. Um, so obviously it was less, but I wasn't completely... Yeah, and plus once the unemployment kicked in, you're probably making more than you would have been making. At least why the extra $600 a, a week was coming in. Right, yeah. <laughs> it was actually for a while. Thanks for coming on, Agent 21. Thanks for having me. I appreciate uh, appreciate the time. See you down the road. See you around. That's our show for today, folks. 
I hope you were as entertained and informed as I was today by our guest, Agent 21. I'll see you down the road for the next installment of this here little experiment in imaginary radio that we call the TNA Podcast. The new house is amazing. So much character. Original crown molding, walk-in closets. We do have a rat problem. At least GEICO makes bundling our home and car insurance easy. It does help us save. For bundling made easy, go to GEICO.com.